I can remember going to see my estate attorney and, and saying, okay, now what does this mean? And meetings with a brand new financial planner and saying, okay, well, what does this mean? And a lot of financial planners understand wills and trusts, which is great. But I was at somebody else's mercy to explain to me how my life was going to operate. Welcome to Getting Money Right, a show dedicated to helping you achieve financial freedom through education and inspiration so you can be free to pursue your true life's purpose. We're excited today to continue our conversation we've had with Don Prochniak. Don has written a book, The Best Gift is Your Last Gift, How to Organize Your Affairs to Protect Those You Love Most. Yeah, uh, Leo, this has been one of my favorite episodes um, just recently. Don, you're an incredible person to interview. We're so glad that you're here with us. And and just a recap for our audience from our last episode, you know, we got to hear a little bit of Don's story, and then we got to talk about some of the real emotional uh, moments when you're going through this process. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, in the past, we've talked a lot about the legalities and setting up uh, your documents in such a way that that legally everything, the I's are dotted and the T's are crossed. But here with Don, we have the opportunity to go a little bit deeper than that. And so uh, we're, we're walking through what happens in that moment, and you have all these pressures and deadlines coming, and what are the emotional realities to that? And then B, what can you do in advance to prepare yourself for that so that when you're there, you can avoid as much pain as physically possible when a loved one passes on? Let's get into, you say here in chapter three of your book, you say a will is not what you probably think it is. Can you unpack that and tell our listeners, what do you mean by that? What I mean by that is uh, you'd say to somebody, hey, are your affairs in order? A lot of people go, yeah, they are, because I have a will. Well, when you have a will, if your estate is worth over, let me back up and say, it's actually possible to have only a will and avoid probate but that's done with a deliberate intentionality. It's not, it doesn't happen by accident. Hmm. And even if you avoid probate, there are still downsides to not having a trust. So a will, a will tells somebody like a judge or a family member where you want stuff to go. But again, if your assets are worth over $100,000, which most people's homes are worth over $100,000, you enter this probate process, which is a public process, which means that creditors and predators have first dibs on your money, which means that you have to go to court, hire an attorney to go through a legal process that's decided by the state that you live in. So think about this, people that live in one state and maybe winter in another state or have a a summer home or winter home, whatever, in another state, that's two states worth of probate to go through. Mm. To me, it's like saying, surprise, so-and-so's dead. Now you get to go to court for a whole year in two different states and pay two different attorneys <laughs> to start spending money. Isn't that fun? No, I'd rather go on vacation. That's yeah. what I'd rather do. Yeah. Or I'd rather stay home and just make a meal, anything but that. Mm. And so there's this thing called a trust, which is, think of it as a bucket. It's, it's like a, a, a bag that nobody can see in. And if you put those same assets that you have, but you title them to the trust, it's a private process, which means creditors and predators can't see them and they don't have first dibs. Mm, what it also means is that once um, paperwork is completed, the successor trustee can start distributing funds right away. Where with probate, if you go through probate, that's going to be a good year of 
of one not even having that asset, but also paying electric bills and maintenance and cutting the grass and removing the snow and paying property taxes and what other repairs need to be made. It's not something you can get rid of right away. But also with the trust, not only do you have the right to take money right away, you have the right to not take money right away. Because sometimes somebody getting money at a particular point in their life might not be a benefit. For instance, if you have an adult child that has qualified for Medicaid because they have some kind of a situation that's difficult, well, if all of a sudden they inherit money, that'll kick them off Medicaid. And so all this inheritance that you wanted to use to make their life easier is now just going to go toward medical costs. And so it really pays if you can, I say, I'm the first guy that you should work with before you ever see an estate attorney or a financial planner, because once we collect all your stuff and you start to see what you have, I don't know if you've heard the, the adage, data speaks. Once you see stuff on one piece of paper, it means a whole different thing to you than it being some nebulous thing out in space. Yep. And so now you can start to talk and understand, okay, so this is in a will, it means this. If it's in a trust, it means this. And then you start to talk about things that also make sense. Like really the only two things that you do with an attorney, you're going to decide who's charged and the sequence of who's going to be in charge and who gets what when. That's it. Mm -hmm. That is the bottom line of what all these legal documents mean. And why that information isn't on page one of any document, I have no idea. Because all that stuff is embedded, you know, somewhere in page 15, 32, whatever. And most people can't find that stuff. And so that's what we do. We lift all the actionable data out of your important documents and put it in a usable format so that you can get it at a high level and to know either you're in trouble, it's not going to be a great plan, or man, you're safe. And so you can live with confidence that those you love most will be protected when a dead guy happens on the scene. Yeah, I pulled out my living trust the other day. And you're right. The order of it is not super intuitive. <laughs> it's like, why would you not put the most obvious things on the front page that need to be addressed in that moment? Uh, but it is, it's, it's buried in section J subsection two, you know, and you're like, really? Okay. I, and I'm, and I'm reading through it and it's all legal jargon and it's, and it's, you know, small print with a lot of words and it's kind of boring. And so I'm having to go three or four sections in and then find subsections for basic things like, okay, well, who did I set as my power of attorney? Okay, what did I choose for my medical directive? And and that could be pretty important in the moment of a health crisis. Uh, or, okay, who is the primary beneficiary and what's the overall estate plan? That was literally at least 20 pages into the documentation. It wasn't within the first five pages. And so... You're, I mean, it's stuff I never would have thought about. Of course, I'm going to encourage people to go out and get a living trust and put a plan in place. But then it's like, okay, now go spend time and read it and maybe reorganize with your own documents the most important things on the front. It, you know, you have the legal side, but you need to have the practical side, the process side. And so, you know, I love what you've done with the master list of assets and just making it very easy to write down everything. And I know that people can go to your website and they can find the book 
the best gift is your last gift and, and grab the book, grab the master list of assets and begin to go through this process. But then there's also the digital side to this. And it's just chaos. <laughs> if you don't have a plan in place, there's so many things that we live online from social media to uh, our own personal websites, bank accounts. Uh, there's so much online. So walk us through breaking down some of that digital chaos and having a little bit cleaner process. Well, the best way I can describe it is with one of the more ridiculous stories that I encountered when I was cleaning up my husband's estate. In Illinois, we have iPass, so that's that little thing that goes in your windshield because we have a toll system. But we had been driving his car, and I, I had no idea he, he took care of all that stuff. So I get a postcard in the mail, hey, you owe us some money. Okay. So I call these people and uh, explain, well, I, I was too fresh of a widow to know you only play the death card when you have to. Because when you play the death card, people freak out that they're never going to get their money. So anyway, I said, you know, I need to get rid of one of these transponders. My husband has passed and I need to pay you the money for that we owe you. I said, how much do I owe you? And this woman said, well, that's confidential information. I can't tell you. <laughs> and I said, I said, I said, I'm the only person on the face of this entire earth who has any concern about paying this debt. And I want, I mean, I want my husband to go out and on him away. I don't want him to look like a, a deadbeat. Excuse the, the pun there. Yeah. Um, so I said, you know, I, I want to pay you. I, I, she said, I'm sorry, I cannot tell you. She goes, how much do we want to put on your, on your credit card? So I was getting a little steamed and I was a little, well, I was nice, but I said, I'd like to put $2 on the credit card. She goes, perfect. What would you like done with the rest of the money? So we were talking about less than a $2 debt. Wow. I said, you know what I'd like you to do? I'd like you to see if you can donate it to the Cubs. <laughs> she goes, <laughs> I'll see what I can do. I just thought this is the most ridiculous conversation I've ever had in my entire life. Wow. And that was probably a half an hour to pay his debt and to get my transponder in my name. But if I had had a user ID and a password, I could have done all this stuff online yeah, save the ridiculous conversation, save the stress of it, save the time of it. And it's, especially today in this digital age and this privacy age, it's crazy the rules that govern who can tell somebody something. Mm -hmm. And so if you would like to avoid a lot of unnecessary pain, in my program, I ask for each person, it's, it's your very couple, keep your own list. And then once a year, you're going to make a copy of all the stuff and put it in an envelope for your successor trustee or whoever your next in line is, a sealed envelope. And at least the data will be a year fresh. And yeah, you have to change passwords. But if you can keep updating things and sharing information, at least annually, you'll, I mean, you'll probably have 90% of it covered. Right. And you'll eliminate a lot of problems and a lot of aggravation. You made a list in your book, uh, in this chapter on the master list and ID and passwords, of all of the things that, that we have in our life, and it's more than a page long. It's about a page and a half long. And I think it's that's so, so important to realize how many things we have going on in our lives, everything from every utility, every bill. Uh, and a lot of these organizations, they almost force you to change your password. I was leaving for Romania, and I was thinking, gosh, if something happens to me, there's half of the things that are going on. I've changed the passwords in the last three weeks or four weeks, 
And I said, my wife's going to have a hard time finding them. So I started making a list. And I said, if anything happens, here's how you access this stuff. And, <laughs> and fortunately, you know, we use, we use very specific things and we, we know what those codes are. And, you know, there's three or four variations. So she could try them. I, mean, I don't use something that she wouldn't necessarily know. But, but again, why make it so difficult? Why make it a, a hunt? Or it's not a treasure hunt. It's, just, it's a nightmare at this point. Because you're just trying to get through this. So uh, such a good example of spending 30 minutes to, to take care of something that should have been taken care of in two minutes. But I so appreciate the fact that you went through so much detail to list things out that hopefully will not only identify things that people are are having to uh, put on their list, but also things that they might have forgotten. So just a great job on, on, on the detail in this book and, and the practicality. One of the things that I love about the book is that in every chapter you have this section called, Now Do This. And it's, it's folks, it's so practical. It says, create your household master list. Keep updating your list. Make sure the executor trustee knows where the master list is. I mean, it's just basic stuff. But again, it's a very simple process that walks you through how to do this so that it's not overwhelming. You're not meeting with an attorney and having to read uh, you know, legalese. This is a very practical process with very practical tools and forms that will help you to do it. And I just know that as our listeners get some of these done and they eventually finish, they fill up every drawer, so to speak, uh, I know the piece that they're going to have knowing that whatever happens, I'm prepared. So thank you. Thank you for, for doing this. Keep talking about the other things that, that are in this book. I, I want us to cover a little bit more. I'd love to. And thank you for your compliments on the book. Um, as you're talking and as I'm reliving what my early days were like after Tom passed, I can remember going to see my estate attorney and, and saying, okay, now what does this mean? And meetings with a brand new financial planner and saying, Okay, well, what does this mean? And a lot of financial planners understand wills and trusts, which is great. But I was at somebody else's mercy to explain to me how my life was going to operate. Mm. And it was such a vulnerable place. I was already in a vulnerable place because I lost my husband and I was a single parent. And now I'm the lead dog on things that he was the lead dog on. And I don't know anything and I'm learning all that stuff. And then I'm learning, I don't know anything about what these people are speaking about. And they held... I mean, thankfully, I had people that were good people and that I trusted and nobody took advantage of me. Mm-hmm. But you're in a great place to be taken advantage of if you don't understand how your life is supposed to operate. Right. And so for for people that think this is boring, you might think it's kind of boring before something happens. But it's when when you don't know what's going on and you're dealing with this stuff in a grief position, all these details take precedence over grief. If I, I used to think, oh, if I could just have one five-minute phone call like within the first month that my husband had, <laughs> it would be, oh, you know, I miss you, I love you, but I have a bazillion questions for you. Where's the password for this? Why did you do this? Do you think I should sell the house? What's going to be happening to me? What's your best plan for me to do it? I would have been, I can talk fast because we only have five minutes and I want to get this figured out. Yeah. And so I, for those of you that are listening that might not think this is relevant, I just want to say to you, it's the most relevant thing that happens as soon as there, there's a dead guy. And it's the part of death that we don't think about that radically affects how well your future is going to go on. In chapter uh, six, you talk about the yearly conversation. And I know what you mean by that, but I'd like for you to, to dig into it a little bit. How important is it and how often should specifically couples talk about this? How often should they update their uh, trust or even just revisit each each of these forms just to make sure that everything is as they wish it to be? That's a great question. Uh, the, the whole purpose of my system is that there's an, a, 
a well thought out sequence of why you do drawers one, then two, then three, then four, then five, and this is drawer six that you're talking about. Mm -hmm. And once you've done all of those things, now you can have a conversation where the rubber really meets the road. And it starts like this. Leo, if you're the dead guy tonight, what will your wife's income be tomorrow? And what are her expenses tomorrow? Because what she's going to want to know is, can I pay my bills? Can I eat? Can I get new underwear? Can I buy lipstick? I know for me, as I was going through this process, I thought, I wonder if I'm going to be able to get my hair. I have short hair. I get my hair cut every two weeks and highlighted every two months. And I thought, you know, I'm going to figure out how to do a dead husband, but I can't do a bad hair day every day. I have to figure out how to work. <laughs> And everybody has their own thing that's important to them. I've worked with widows that oh, they just really want a new dining room carpet or they want to go on a trip or they want to put that addition on that they never had or they want to get the car. Whatever it is, you're in a place where you are in such an absence of comfort. You want to make sure you've got comfort coming from somewhere. And it's a huge comfort to know I can pay my bills. Mm -hmm. but that's where it starts. And so... So if a couple can do that, and it's it's for, you know, if I'm the dead guy, if you're the, whoever the dead guy is, it could be a kid, it could be a parent, but you, you map out, okay, well, if so-and-so is the dead guy, what does it mean for the people who are alive? How are they going to be able to go on? What are they going to have to do? For instance, there was a woman I worked with, her husband died, and as she was going through her affairs, guess what? She learned that her name was not on the deed to her home. Her daughter's name was. Her daughter was married and had kids. Thankfully, they had a good relationship. But now this asset that this woman was supposed to have had is now no longer hers. And now she's living in her daughter's home. You know, they sold that home and her daughter said, okay, mom, you can live with me. But is that really how you want to, is that really how you want things to go? Right. And so once you've done all the work and you have all this data in an easy to read format, you can have these conversations and go, look at your master list of assets and say, actually, my brother's going to be living in your home. Maybe he'll let you stay here. Is that, is that going to work for you? No, it's probably not a good plan. <laughs> so this is the nuts and bolts of finding out, does this stuff actually make sense? Mm -hmm. And you yeah, want to yeah. know that it makes sense. And what are the practical implications of all this data from all these documents? Now you can look at it and talk about it. And then you can make adjustments if you need to. It's right. really critical. Yeah. And usually one person knows more about this stuff than another. And by just starting to talk about it more than once a year, gets the guy that doesn't know much up to speed a little bit so their feet aren't completely cold when something happens. And they, they have a little bit of training, if you will, to understand, okay, so everything we have is in a trust. Okay, so I'm, I'm going to be doing all this paperwork stuff. Okay, so I actually have all the places I have to make phone calls to okay, I don't have to memorize it. I don't have to know this stuff by heart. This whole system is designed so that when there is a dead guy, you don't have to think. You just have to do because you're, you're not going to be able to think very well. Yeah. Well, and I love those yearly conversations because that builds unity in the relationship. This is causing us to have crucial conversations, healthy conversations around really important topics about what matters to us, uh, making sure that we have a plan in place to take care of our spouse or our family or whatever we've decided to put our finances and resources in. And, and I think that that is extremely important. But I guess the question is, okay, how do I, how do I start this conversation if only there was a yearly conversation starter guide? And the cool news is, is that from your book, people can go to your website, 
prudencepartners.com and request, contact you and request the yearly conversation starter form. I know for me personally, that's a huge deal because I don't even know where to begin that conversation. Uh, I have great conversations with my wife all the time. We have a budget in place. We've got a living trust in place. But when it comes down to sitting down and saying, okay, you know, exactly how much would I have if, if something happened to Ashley or how much would Ashley have if something happened to me? How do we have that conversation? Well, having that guide to just begin to walk through that process. And so uh, very simple, uh, just prudencepartners.com, or they can Google your name, Don Prushniak, and it's D-A-W-N-P-R-U-C-H-N-I-A-K. But I think it's important that people realize this is out there and they have these resources if they spend the time reaching out and digging in a little bit. I also have an online program. So if you go to my website and under the work with Dawn tab, if you look at online program, and it's a series of eight videos, one for each drawer, where no video is more than 20 minutes where I explain, okay, now in drawer one, this is why we're doing this. And these are some questions to talk to each other about. So I lead you through it. I have all the updated forms right there that you download and a checklist, just a one page checklist of you know, these are the things you're supposed to do. I've told you that in the video and now boom, there it is on the checklist and you can go do it. And I have suggested timeframes for you. So you actually get it done. Because when I talk to people about this stuff, everybody's charged up like, yeah, I want to do it. But then you get started and you go, yeah, I don't really want to do it. I want it done, but I don't want to do it. Mm-hmm. And I started out thinking I could do this for people. But what I realized is, is that we live in such a privacy age, it's impossible for somebody else to do it. I know when I'm working with a private client, because I do private coaching as well, when we make a phone call to a financial planner and the client has to give permission to have me speak, and there's a great amount of suspicion on the part, on the part of the person that we're talking to, which is good in a way because their antenna is off and they're wanting to make sure their client as well is not getting taken advantage of. Right. But it's not an easy thing. It's not an easy thing to get somebody on the phone and speak to them, let alone not have any... Um, any ownership of what the documents are that you're trying to talk about. So yeah, it's, it's important to do that. Yeah, you've done a wonderful job. And I just, again, I'm looking at your book and I've gone through it. And uh, I just want to say that to our listeners that I know how daunting this can seem. And I know the statistics. I know how many people know they're supposed to do it, but dread the whole process and think, oh my gosh, when I have time, I'll have to take two weeks of vacation and I'll have to spend my whole time trying to do this. And honestly, you have done such a wonderful job of taking a very complex process and simplifying it. And there are parts that we do. And as you said, there's parts that no one else can do but us. And then, of course, there's the legal side where we do need an attorney to draw up the trust and the paperwork and all that stuff. But you simplified the trust. I think you said it this way. It says, one, it's supposed to tell people what you have and then who gets it and when. That's the whole purpose of the trust, but the details of it, what it is, where it is, how to access it, that's the important stuff. So again, just great job on all this. I've been on your website and I know you offer different levels of service for our audience and for your audience. And folks, you can either hire Dawn or you can get her book. You can walk through this. Whatever level you need to be served that, she can do that. She can help you to either do it through just buying her book and following the process or connect with her and let her help you in the parts that maybe are more complex and more difficult and you may want some uh, assistance with. Dawn, anything else you want to share with our listeners before we end this uh, interview? Well, I would just like to end by saying that whether you like it or not or believe it or not, the truth is that when you die, the state of your affairs, whatever they are, is the last message you leave for your loved ones. 
And if your affairs are unattended and there's mistakes, then your message really is, oops, I'm sorry. Please don't hate my guts. <laughs> sorry, you're going to be in court for a year. Sorry, it's going to cost you thousands of dollars. I love you. Or it's going to say, I love you. And I've done everything that I can to make sure that your life without me is going to continue on in the same way that you're used to living and in the same kind of relational integrity that you've always had. And that's my last gift to you. It is your last gift. And that's why I say your best gift is your last gift. And so you ought to make your last gift a great one. Yeah, there's a at the, at the beginning of every chapter, I want to end with this. You've got the, a funny little, uh, I'm gonna, you got a cartoon and a joke. And so, you know, there's a fact and it says dead guys can't tell you where they filed stuff. And then the question, does it really matter? And then there's this little icon of you popping up and saying, Don says, only if you want to keep living in your home. <laughs> like it only matters if you actually want to live in your house in the future. Uh, there's another one where it says, only if you enjoy being in court for a year, like you can't go back and fix this. And so take the time now to go and do it. Um, Don, we've really enjoyed having you on. We can't thank you enough. And so to our audience, we also want to thank you for joining us for this episode. If you enjoyed it, please rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast on iTunes and on your Android device. Make it easier for other people to find this episode and the show altogether. Also, reach out to Dawn on our website and help other people find her content and her resources. Uh, We personally have been impacted by them, and we recommend that you share them with others. You can also share this podcast on your favorite social media platform and help others find us and follow us. We'd love to have you be a part of the personal finance conversation. So shoot us an email or drop us a message on social media. We'd love to answer your questions. You'll find the show notes to this episode and more content and resources at leosabo.com, L-E-O-S-A-B-O.com. And you can go to Prudence Partners to find more of Don Prushniak's information as well. Well, we look forward to having you join us next time. So together, we We can can keep keep getting getting money money right. right. dead guy tonight what will your wife's income be tomorrow and what are her expenses tomorrow because what she's going to want to know is can i pay my bills can i eat you're in a place where you are in such an absence of comfort you want to make sure you've got comfort coming from somewhere and it's a huge comfort to know i can pay my bills